This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan. And joining me again this week, as uh, my normal co-host is out, is my co-host from the Greatest Movie of All Time podcast, Dana Duncan. Hello. And tonight we are previewing week three of the NFL Slate 2021. But first, a few housekeeping notes. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at DynastyDownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at DYDownload2020, and you can now find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. Finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, since we recorded our last episode earlier this week before the Monday Night Football game, let's start there. Uh, Big impressions coming out of Monday night's game against uh, the, well, excuse me, the Packers versus the Lions. The uh, reports of the Packer offense's death have been greatly exaggerated. Yeah, four touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers through the air, three of them to Aaron Jones, and he added another rushing touchdown to himself. I think he had the second best rushing uh, performance of the weekend, well, at least by a running back of over 40 points in that game, second only to King Henry's huge day. Seriously, after week one, I think most people were ready to pile on the Packers grave, but it's it looked to me like they righted the ship, at least offensively in this game. Yes, they certainly did. Um, I will say that the Packer defense looked as bad at least the first half, as it did in the entire Saints game. For the Lions, TJ Hawkinson had a big game. Really nobody else for the Lions. Quintus Cephas had a nice game, particularly off of the first drive of the game, but after that it was relatively quiet. Nobody else really made a huge impact. Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift, after having big games in Week 1, were held relatively quiet. A few receptions here and there added some PPR value, but I don't think either of them, unless you're in a full-point PPR league, got to 10 points on the game. I would assume there are better days ahead. I hope so. If Swift would have gotten to 10 points, I would have won my fantasy game. Just the nature of fantasy football. All right, so instead, let's move then to the news quickly. And most of this has to do with uh, injuries, just generally. So Eli Mitchell did not practice yesterday and today, at least for the portion that was open to the media. Uh, It looks right now that with two straight practices, although in non-contact uniform, Trey Sermon may be the eventual starter for San Francisco on Sunday night against Green Bay. What do you expect out of the San Francisco backfield against Green Bay on Sunday night? I would expect the Packers trying to sell out to the run to some extent and shut it down. Um, because, but who knows? Because it may be that they try to work on the uh, passing game or focus on the passing game simply because there aren't enough healthy running backs available to the uh, 49ers that they're going to be able to sustain a uh, running game. If if Mitchell does not play and Sermon continues to have issues, I you know I don't know who they have left. Yeah, that would be my normal inclination, although they did sign somebody off of Cincinnati's practice squad. I can't remember his name offhand. I think it's like Jacques Patrick, 
don't take me for my complete word on that one. And Jermichael Hasty, I would guess, is not going to play with this, given that he has a high ankle sprain. But regardless, I would say that I would expect the 49ers, with how bad their passing attack has been up to this point in the season, with the lone exception being Debo Samuel, that either they're going to work a lot of the play action or this is going to be a replay of the 2019 NFC Championship game where they're going to try and run the football with whomever they have and try and ram it right down Green Bay's throat. I know that they're beat up and realistically Green Bay's the healthier team, but with the way that their defense was playing, particularly in the first half when Detroit, while not running it great, was running it somewhat effectively to set up short distance and stay ahead of the chains, I would expect San Francisco to take better advantage of that given how good uh, Kyle Shanahan is as a play caller and offensive creator. So I I really expect the 49ers to have a good offensive game. It's going to be whether or not certain teams come up with bigger stops. Who makes the opportunistic plays in this one? Because I would say that the basically Green Bay has got a score to keep up with San Francisco in this game in order to have a chance. Well, I'm just kind of foreshadowing later things to be addressed, but I I think the 49ers are going to have a difficult time, even against a weak Green Bay front uh, seven, because just the sheer lack of uh, healthy running backs. I mean, you can't pull a guy off a practice squad. And I understand that Cincinnati's running a similar offense. Uh, Zach Taylor had coached with the Rams and had been in the same offensive system in uh, Atlanta, but to bring a guy in off the you know off of somebody else's practice squad and expect him to contribute is going to be difficult. So you're down then basically to Trey Sermon, and if he has any tweak or any problem, what are they going to do? His problem is not a soft tissue injury though; it's concussion protocol. Well. Okay. I think if he's cleared, he's going to be fine to go. That's And I know he has an injury history. I'm not really concerned about him in the same way that I am Mitchell, who might have a longer lingering injury. Although going into the week, we thought that it was more likely that Mitchell would be the only healthy back that they had. That being said, they didn't necessarily just pull guys off the street. Trenton Cannon was on the Ravens practice squad, and then the 49ers claimed him. He was a guy that after the Ravens lost several of their backs that were talked about being one of the direct replacements. Then this guy that they pulled off of the Bengals practice squad, while not necessarily good enough to make the regular roster, is apparently um, a top XFL player. So they're not getting nobody. Antonio Brown is out on the COVID-19 list. He will be unavailable for uh, the Buccaneers this weekend. Is there another third option or right now, or do you confident that uh, Tampa Bay is going to pretty much roll with Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Rob Gronkowski? I think that's basically what they're going to do. I mean, <laughs> they're uh, as if those three would create any real problems. I mean, I don't think that's what you meant to say. If, as if those three cannot be effective just by themselves. I mean, well, they were last weekend. Antonio Brown was pretty much out for it, but Rob Gronkowski, I think, has three or four touchdowns already on the season. Yeah. Fountain of Youth, as we talked about earlier this week. So let's update on the quarterback situation for the NFL. We already have three starters that are likely to be out this weekend, or at least two of them I know have been ruled out. 
and a third that's likely to be ruled out. So far, we've had Tua Tunga-Vailoa, who I guess is out with, uh, is it broken ribs or fractured ribs? We have Andy Dalton. I can't remember exactly what he has. I think it's his knee, um, something. It might be like a sprain of some type, but he's had that. Fortunately for him, it's not an ACL tear. The Bears do say that once he is ready to go, that he will be the starter for them. And Tyrod Taylor is already out for the game tonight, which we are recording beforehand, but uh, we will preview the, or excuse me, recap that when we get to Monday night's pod that will be released on Tuesday. This will release tomorrow, Friday morning. So uh, that will be the game tonight. However, uh, with that being said, we have Justin Fields for the Bears, Jacoby Brissett for the Dolphins, and Davis Mills in for the Texans tonight against the Panthers. Any prospects out of any of those three that you think, I guess, um, does this make any of their receivers better, worse, neutral, or are you basically downgrading everybody? Uh, the Dolphins' offense will be pedestrian. I mean, they're going to stack the box, um, make Bissett try to throw the ball, and I don't see that the Dolphins are going to move the ball at all because I, I don't have I have very little faith in uh, Jacoby Brissett, Justin Fields. Um, it's it's real interesting to think about it. I mean, he played real well in the preseason, but you know that's a preseason, and a lot of starters weren't playing. So we'll see once he gets in, and there's a uh, a lot of there's a lot of uh, rush and pressure on him, how he'll deal with it. And uh, Davis Mills, who knows? I mean, poor uh, Tyrod Taylor keeps getting hurt and losing his job. So who knows? The right things are going for Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Davis Mills may become the next Hall of Fame candidate. Yeah, given that the last two steps for Tyrod Taylor have been behind, or excuse me, starting ahead of Josh Allen, then losing his job, and then starting ahead of Justin Herbert, then losing his job. Ultimately, though, I would say that Davis Mills is the one I'm severely downgrading for the Texans just because Tyrod Taylor is actually a good starter and had been playing well for them. Although, realistically, you'd only been starting maybe Brandon Cooks up to this point out of the Texans offense. Maybe Tyrod Taylor with how many designed runs he had in that offense so far. Justin Fields, I think, now that the Bears have a chance to design more of a game plan that's around his abilities, shorter passes, stuff that's more on rhythm, more RPOs, stuff for run option type of uh, plays, that type of thing. I think more designed runs will help him actually produce more. And they are playing Cleveland, who has been susceptible to the pass. I think he is better than he was last weekend against the Bengals. That being said, I think his fantasy floor is a little bit higher due to his rushing, but I still am very wary of playing Darnell Mooney, um, Cole Komet, or for that matter, Allen Robinson this weekend until I've seen it. You're probably playing Allen Robinson in what would normally be a good matchup, but I still would like to see it maybe before I'd feel terribly comfortable if I have a better option somewhere else. Now, as far as Jacoby Brissett, I expect that the Dolphins are going to move the football, but it's going to be by running it. The Raiders still have one of the worst rushing defenses in the league, and they still, unless they're basically loading up to stop Baltimore offense because they can't throw the ball in that Monday night game, are giving up a lot of yards on the ground. But where they've been really good so far this year is through the air. I would expect that the Raiders are going to uh, try and really make this 
a um, game in where Jacoby Brissett has to beat them and so that they'd maybe load up the box a little bit, but I still expect the Dolphins to run early and run often. And even though they had a pedestrian output against the Bills last weekend, I don't think they're going to have quite as bad of a challenge because I think the Bills defense is a little bit better than the Raiders. And that was a game in where Jacoby Brissett was not ready to be the starter right away after Tua left it. So I think that game's going to be a little bit closer than the 35 nothing that the Bills put on the Dolphins last weekend, but I still don't think that I would be comfortable starting too many Bills, or excuse me, too many Dolphins starters this weekend, other than maybe Jalen Waddle, if that was one of the flex options I had to start. All right, then moving along, we also have uh, Carson Wentz, who is going to be trying to play this weekend against the Titans on what has been called two sprained ankles. He was not able to finish last week's game. We had Jacob Eason come into the game, throw an interception that sealed it for the Rams. If Carson Wentz is not able to go, do you feel comfortable with any Indianapolis pass catchers? Uh, <laughs> no, not really. Agreed. I don't think we have to spend a ton of time on that one. Basically, Jacob Eason looked bad in preseason against backups. He looked even worse against starters last weekend. I don't think we need to spend a whole lot of time there. Amari Cooper is dealing with bruised ribs, but is day-to-day. He was in non-contact today for uh, his session. He is likely trending towards playing on Monday night against the Eagles in what could be a tough matchup. Jarvis Landry heads to the IR. Again, IR is not what it used to be. It's only a guaranteed three weeks. He has an injury and likely will not be playing for at least a few weeks. Darrell Henderson Jr. is dealing with torn rib cartilage currently. And there's a possibility that Sony Michelle and Jake Funk are the primary backs, but they are going against Tampa Bay. The recommendation would be it's Tampa Bay. Probably don't play backup running backs. It was already going to be a tough matchup for Darrell Henderson and Sony Michelle and Jake Funk are not great receivers. I expect that the Rams are going to incorporate a lot of passing like Dallas did in week one. Unknown statuses, though, for both Big Ben and Deontay Johnson, more Deontay Johnson than Big Ben. He was hurt on the last play of the game against the Raiders last weekend. Apparently, he is dealing with something that uh, he's doing better, but he's not great, according to Mike Tomlin. I wouldn't expect to have Deontay Johnson out there for your team this weekend. Josh Jacobs is very questionable against the Dolphins for that game, uh, according to John Gruden. I, again, wouldn't think that Josh Jacobs, unless he is cleared right before pregame, I would not have him in my lineup right away, uh, particularly against a tough matchup like the Dolphins' defense. Dalvin Cook is apparently dealing with an ankle injury. He is questionable right now, but the comments out of Mike Zimmer would seem to indicate that he is likely to play. And then finally, Odell Beckham Jr. is trending towards being back for his first game this weekend. Any of those that you'd like to comment on or have a, a better feeling on what's going to be happening this weekend? I really have a question again about uh, Josh Jacobs. He seems like he's made of glass, uh, has been, and I doubt if he'll play against the Dolphins, but I don't think it's going to matter. If I were uh, the uh, Raiders, I would definitely rest him one more week. The only reason Delvin Cook is playing is because the if without him, the Vikings do not have a chance against the uh, uh, Seahawks, and they can't go 0-3 and have any hope of uh, making the playoffs. So he's going to play, even though um, if they were 2-0, he would not. Last thing is, is uh, Jake Funk, does that seem like a slang term that would be a little naughty or dirty? 
Uh, it sounds like another name for Dick Cheese. Anyway, that's all I have. All right. With that, let's move into our regular preview. Uh, my game of the week is Tampa Bay and the, I was about to say St. Louis Rams. Good Lord, that's been a while. The Los Angeles Rams at home. It'll be Tom Brady's first visit to an L.A. area team. Uh, and I think this is the premier matchup of the weekend because realistically, this could be a game that we look back on, whoever wins it, as a tiebreaker for uh, the eventual number one seed. Uh, what was your game of the week? You had mine originally, but I'm going to go with another one. I'm going to go with the Colts and the Titans, simply because I think Carson Wentz, he, he, when he was on the sidelines, he was trying to show that he could push off of the back foot uh, and go back into the game. And he was doing it, but he was grimacing a bit. I think they were a little precautious by not putting him back in. I think he's going to have those ankles taped up and he's going to be very productive. Uh, and I'm actually thinking that that's going to be an upset. Well, I think it could be, but it's only if Carson Wentz plays. And I don't think that's a guarantee. I think the Titans winning against Seattle in that comeback fashion last week gave them a little bit of breathing room. But realistically, with how bad that the division has been so far and the fact that the Texans, who did at least win one game in the division already against Jacksonville in week one, now is going to be without their primary starter for several weeks because we know they're not going to play Deshaun Watson this year at this point. I don't know if Tennessee has to win more than maybe eight, nine games basically to win the division if they win this game this weekend already. So yeah, it's a get right game for the Colts. But then again, I think Derrick Henry's had uh, historically great games against Indianapolis the last two seasons as well. I don't know. This could be an interesting game. It also could be one of those where it's um, 10 to seven in the third quarter and you're wondering what the hell you're watching. All right. My upset of the week. I had down New Orleans and uh, New England. So the game is going to be in New England. And realistically, with the New Orleans defense, yeah, they didn't play well against Carolina. I think this is an interesting one. It's trying to figure out exactly who New Orleans is. Are they the week one dominating fashion that they played against Green Bay? Or are they the completely run over team from week two that uh, got beaten terribly by Sam Darnold and the Carolina defense? I think it's somewhere in the middle. I would expect that the Saints, who have traditionally over the last like five years had one of the best run defenses in football, New England being one of the run heaviest teams, that they're going to basically stuff the box and make Mac Jones try and beat them. By the same token, though, I also expect that uh, Bill Belichick, who likes to take away your number one option, is going to try and make Jameis Winston beat him. Ultimately, it becomes a game of which quarterback do I trust more to necessarily win the game for their team. Yes, Mac Jones is going to be at home, but I think I give a little bit more credence to Jameis Winston to win this game than I do for Mac Jones against a very tough defense, despite the fact that the New Orleans corners are basically down to their third or fourth options. What is your upset of the week? <laughs> you can call it Homer special if you'd like. Green Bay over San Francisco. I think that the loss of having uh, a generally healthy and productive backfield together with the fact that uh, Ayuka is still uh, bothered, the inconsistency still at quarterback. I, I think the Packers finally have them, even though it's on the road. I think they have them in the 
ideal situation that they've not had them before. And I, I think this is where uh, Matt LaFleur finally uh, exercises some demons. I've seen that be a trendy upset pick already this week, but I guess maybe it's me being the pessimistic fan that just uh, doesn't feel the same uh, given our struggles against the 49ers when they're actually healthy and have their regular assortment of guys. Last year, if you remember, they were without Garoppolo. They were out without Ayuk, uh, who was on the COVID-19 list. They were without Mostert and most of the rest of their offense. So this year they should have everything but their running backs. Ayuk is actually trending more in the right direction as far as health. And they have, I think it's Trent Sherfield that has established himself right now a little bit ahead of Ayuk, but essentially they're still going to have George Kittle. They're still going to have Debo, guys that they didn't necessarily have in last year's game when I think it was Richie James who had a huge game against the Packers in that like Thursday night battle. I mean, you were uh, tearing your hair out during the first half of that one until uh, basically the Packers started to run it down at the end of the half and they got that big MVS touchdown. I, I just, every time Green Bay goes to Florida, or California lately, they lay an egg. If this were being played in maybe Dallas or Houston, where Aaron Rodgers seems to play well in the state of Texas, I might be a little bit more um, optimistic, but right now it just doesn't seem like the right matchup at the right time for me. All right, let's move into our start-sit section. I'm just going to give you a list of players and give me a start or a sit on these guys. First up, we have Tyson Williams for uh, the Baltimore Ravens against Detroit this weekend. Start. Yeah, the Detroit run defense is pretty um, soft, and I think he is still the guy in between the 20s. It's going to be a little bit more of a committee when it comes to the end zone yet, and Lamar Jackson is the number one running back for the Ravens, but I would guess that if he is a flex option for you, I would also say start. Donovan Peoples-Jones versus uh, the Chicago Bears. Sounds like a lawsuit. Anyway, um, uh, I would uh, start. I'm not sure about this one. Cleveland has not thrown a ton of passes so far to their wide receivers. I think they're one of only two teams so far to target their wide receiver group less than 30 times in two games. If uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is not back and part of the game plan for this one, I'm just not sure that they're going to open up the offense against a stingy Chicago defense. I expect them to run the football and run the football a lot in this one, use a lot of play action to their tight ends like they have the first two weeks. I would say sit for me. Allen Robinson versus Cleveland. Uh, sit. I don't know if you're going to have better options, given that you probably picked him as your, at worst, probably wide receiver two based on redraft. I think you'll probably have to go with him, but I would agree with you that I'd be very reticent to do so in Justin Fields' first start. Jalen Waddle versus the Las Vegas Raiders. <laughs> uh, sit. I just I don't have any confidence in the Dolphins quarterbacks. He's been the most targeted wide receiver, and it does look like Will Fuller is going to be back this weekend as well. I would probably say sit as well if you have a viable other option, but he's about the only guy that I would feel comfortable starting from the Dolphins offense, maybe other than Miles Gaskin, and that's saying something. Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, or T. Higgins versus the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've got uh, Boyd, and I'm starting or I'm starting him in the office league because I think this is going to be a shootout. I don't know if it'll be a shootout. I think the status of uh, I was about to say JJ Watt, but TJ Watt 
who left last week's game against the Raiders early, is going to be a big factor in how Pittsburgh attacks this game. Pittsburgh has a really good secondary, but they rely a lot on getting a lot of pressure, and the Bengals' offensive line still is very porous. If uh, Joe Burrow gets more time by not having probably the most dominant pass rusher in the league right now on the field, I think Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins could all have good games, kind of like the Raiders did last weekend. And I think there are some lessons to be taken from that Raiders game that could be translated over to Cincinnati. I do think that they have a good wide receiver core, and all three of these could be viable options. I would say start as well, but also don't be surprised if they have a dud if T.J. Watt plays. Tyler Higby versus Tampa Bay. This one's tough for me. I guess play because I have a feeling there's going to be a lot of offense. I would guess probably the same, but he has not been a targeted receiver in this offense so far. And realistically, they're already trying to look to get both Van Jefferson and Robert Woods the ball. I don't know if the guy who's maybe the fourth receiving option on his own team is going to be able to receive enough targets to be viable even in a game where they're going to be throwing the ball a lot more than running it, I would guess. I would say that right now you may not have a better option, but if you do, he's a sit for me. Clyde edwards Lair versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, play. I think you're going to have to. I'm still very wary of how his season has gone so far, given that he played Baltimore, who had given up yards and touchdowns to Josh Jacobs, He still hasn't gotten a lot of goal line carries and a lot of targets in the passing game. But with that being said, that this team does give up a lot of ground yards. Uh, The Chargers have, I mean, they just gave up 100 yards to Tony Pollard and I think 70 or 90 to Zeke Elliott last week in a game where uh, the Cowboys were really trying to grind out that game. I don't expect that the Chiefs are going to run the ball and try and grind it in the same way that Dallas did and that they're going to try and throw it all over the yard. But his lack of goal line touches and targets in the passing game still gives me a lot of pause. That being said, this could be a get right game for him. I would likely say you have to start him as well because you probably drafted him at worst as you're running back two in that league and you need him to perform at some point. Rondale Moore and Christian Kirk versus Jacksonville. Definitely play. Um, I think that uh, they're going to move the ball all day on Jacksonville. I think it's going to be a situation that uh, it's going to get a lot worse in Jacksonville. Uh, it could very well be that they don't win a game until Urban Meyer finds some way to have a recruiting violation. <laughs> so I, I just I think you got to play them. I, I, I to be honest, I'm less uh, inclined to go with Kirk than I am with Moore, simply because of how they've been using them. But if you have, if it's close and you have somebody that you don't like the matchup, I would have no problem playing Kirk. With the way that they threw the ball around the last two weeks, unless they're up big early, I would guess that this is going to be a functional game for all of your Cardinals starters so far, with the exception being maybe A.J. Green, who I actually think you could play this week, given how he performed last weekend. And with that matter, James Conner has not had two productive games to start the season. I think you start Chase Edmonds. You're obviously starting Kyler. You're starting Nuke. Um, I think at this point, Rondale Moore would probably be the second best option on that team, followed by Christian Kirk and then AJ Green. And I'd probably start all six of those guys this weekend. Hit it while it's hot. And Jacksonville's a good matchup. Agreed. 
I don't think style points generally work in the NFL like they do in college, but this is one where I think it might because there's so much criticism of the coach. Well, I think so too. All right, I know we talked a bit about this one before, but Darrell Henderson or Sony Michelle, for that matter, Jake Funk versus Tampa Bay. Uh, I would not necessarily be inclined because I think the only way the Rams are going to move the ball is through the air. Uh, I think the running backs are going to be stuffed a lot. I would tend to agree. Uh, Tampa Bay is one of the best run defenses in the NFL with Vita Vea and, for that matter, Devin White. I think that if you're with backup running backs that you definitely shut them down. I still would not be hopeful for Darrell Henderson, even if he does give it a go, because I just don't think he's going to be a factor in this game, kind of in the same way that Ezekiel Elliott was held to next to nothing uh, in the first week of the season. James Robinson versus Arizona. He hasn't done anything yet this season at all. And I don't think, I think the running game is going to be out the window by the middle of the first quarter. And the only way that Jacksonville is going to have any chance is to, to just chuck the ball. So sit. I would probably say so too. At this point, I think he's at best a flex option for me last year. The productivity for him and why everybody was, Oh, who's this year's James Robinson had to do more with the fact that he got crazy volume levels last year. I think he got 95% of the running back touches for that team and they were constantly playing from behind. So he got a lot of garbage time work and yes, the Jaguars are playing from behind this year, but Urban Meyer seems hell-bent on making Trevor Lawrence throw the ball 40 times a game and splitting the carries still with Carlos Hyde. I just don't like the carry distribution for James Robinson, particularly going against an Arizona team that kind of shut down Derrick Henry in week one. I know that uh, Delvin Cook went wild on them last weekend, but I just don't like the way this is shaping up. I would tend to sit up until such point as I've seen Jacksonville's offense be a little bit better. Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards versus Miami. I know Miami has a good defense, but I have a feeling they're going to jump out early. And without uh, Jacobs, I think they're going to throw the ball. Henry Ruggs may be able to exceed the three catches in a game that he had last week. Well, he had five last week, but that was the first time in his career that he exceeded three catches in a game. I think he'd done that three other times. Uh, I don't know. Last week, that Darren Waller was pretty much shut down by Minka Fitzpatrick. In week one, he had his way with uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Unless uh, Darren Waller, who is the number one receiving option for this team, is basically shut down again by the Dolphins, which could be the case, I would expect that uh, we're going to see maybe less of Brian Edwards and, for that matter, Henry Ruggs in this game and them trying to basically play a cover two shell, keep it close, and make uh, the Raiders run the football even without Jacobs. So I don't know if I'd be comfortable starting either. If I had to go with one, I'll probably go with Brian Edwards as opposed to Henry Ruggs. All right, uh, that takes us to Eli or Eli Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty, or Trey Sermon versus Green Bay. I don't, I'm trying to figure out which one of these guys will get the carries, even if they're all healthy, which they're not. Who knows? I mean, you got to be almost desperate to start a San Francisco running back. Agreed. I would say that because of the placement of this game, if this was like a noon or even the late game kickoff, it might be one thing that you'd have some more options. But 
these are guys that I'm not inserting into the lineup unless it's in my flex spot due to the timing of the game and the fact that you'll probably have to take it right up to kickoff with the injury reports. This is one more where I sit these guys and hope that maybe I can uh, salvage it or one of them emerges from this week as the dominant force going into next week when they'll probably be a little bit healthier, even though it's a good matchup against Green Bay. We're what is it must be some sort of genetic component that Shanahan's just automatically sit and think of ways to fuck up your fantasy team. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. It's about as reliable as gas station sushi at this point. Yeah. Javante Williams or Melvin Gordon, the third versus the jets. Yes. Start both. I think that the Broncos are going to have a big game against the jets. The Jets' run defense is actually uh, not in the top half, but it's not necessarily in the bottom, like, 5 or 10. So they're a little bit better than I think we expect for basically when you say the the team named Jets. That being said, I still like Javante Williams to be the primary ball carrier. I think that with the lone exception of that long Melvin Gordon run at the end of the Giants game, he's been the superior and more uh, carry-heavy back in this Denver offense. And I would expect that Denver is going to have to run the football, uh, especially in the second half, to basically sit on the lead because I expect them to be up early and basically ride out the second half. Uh, I would say probably start at least Javante Williams if you feel comfortable and don't have them both. Like if you have them both, I'm not starting both of them. I'm starting only one of them. But if you have one or the other, probably you could be comfortable starting both because it's a good matchup. Uh, Devin Singletary or Zach Moss versus the Washington football team? Yes, I'm starting Singletary myself because I think that Singletary is going to have a big game against the Washington football team. He's been productive over the first two weeks, and the Bills have had to run the football because they haven't been particularly productive in the passing game. But with the way that the Giants ran last weekend um, against the Washington football team, I would guess that they're probably more likely to throw this one in one of the most ha- pass-heavy offenses. So Singletary is the more likely back to get receptions out of the backfield. If you have to go with one, I go with Singletary, but I'm not necessarily confident in that pick. Damian Harris versus New Orleans. Uh, sit. I'm sitting in because I just don't like the matchup against New Orleans. New Orleans being one of the better run defenses, I kind of made this uh, point already in my upset pick but I think they're going to stack the box and make Mac Jones beat them. And that uh, Patriots offense has not been great so far. He had a good game against the Jets, but it is the Jets. I would say also sit. Kareem Hunt versus Chicago. I would play him. I think that he is, at least as a flex, I think that uh, their running game is going to be able to move the ball against the Bears. I think this is a run-heavy game for Cleveland against Chicago that they're going to be using a lot of both backs. They might also be using their new weapon, Demetric Felton, a lot in this game, particularly if they don't have Odell Beckham Jr. They're already going to be without Jarvis Landry. So I would guess that uh, he is a play for me, but I don't know how long that's going to last if they end up opening up the offense at some point during the season. Let's go to underrated studs of the week. My quarterback for this week, Justin Fields versus Cleveland. Again, I think they're going to design a better game plan that fits Fields this week. His rushing floor is going to be high, and I think he's going to ball out against a Cleveland defense that, while good, especially in their front seven, is a little bit glaring on the back end, and he still does have uh, Allen Robinson to throw the ball to. I actually think that he will produce. 
but even though my reticence on starting some of the Bears players around him for this game. Who is your underrated quarterback of the week? Teddy Bridgewater. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a big game against the New York Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, I think he has showed signs that he's going to have a breakout week. And uh, even though he's down on some of his wide receivers due to injury, um, I think Sutton plays, and I think he's going to have a big game potentially with a couple long plays to Sutton. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me nor shock me. He had already a top 10 week last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Another good matchup for him. I expect them to have a lot of short fields. It's just a matter of whether he can get touchdown passes in this one. CEH versus the Los Los Angeles Chargers is actually my underrated running back of the week. And this is more of a hopeful one than it is me calling a shot. Uh, I'm just eventually hoping that this guy hits. I was really high on Clyde Edwards-Alaire last year. He is the only running back, I think, in the history of the SEC to have both 1,000 receiving yards and 1,000 rushing yards for that LSU team that just steamrolled everybody to the championship. I just don't know how Andy Reid, one of the most creative and gifted offensive coordinators and play callers in the history of the league, has not figured out how to use this guy properly so far. But I'm hoping he finally breaks out and has something of a pulse uh, fantasy-wise versus the Chargers, who just gave up a bunch of yards to the Cowboys last weekend. Who is your running back of the week? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I think with Wentz's uh, ankle issues, even though I don't think they're going to necessarily not run the, or I mean pass the ball, I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be the wheelhouse that everything on that offense runs through. I think you're going to feed him early, feed him a lot, and then go to play-action passes hitting, um, you know, Zach Pascal and, and Michael Pittman. Uh, so I think he's going to have a big game. It wouldn't surprise me to see him top 120 yards this week. My underrated wide receiver of the week is Robert Woods versus Tampa Bay. We already saw what Dallas could do with a full offensive passing game two weeks ago in week one on that opening game of the season. I would expect that the Rams are going to throw the ball a lot early and often in this game. And so far, it's been the Cooper Cup show. Even though he's in the slot and it's harder to double team uh, guys out of the slot, I still think that Robert Woods is going to need a big game in order for the Rams to win this one, which I think that they're the favorite at home right now. Tampa Bay is extremely beat up in their secondary. I think that Robert Woods ends up actually outproducing Cooper Cup in this game and reemerges or reestablishes himself as a potential wide receiver one on a very productive passing offense. Who is your wide receiver underrated stud of the week? Uh, to go with Teddy Bridgewater, Cortland Sutton. I think uh, Sutton is going to break a couple of big ones. It may be some sort of an under or a stop and go route, you know, or some sort of crossing route underneath the zone, and he just busts it. Um, I think he's due, and I think Bridgewater is going to feed him. Interesting pick. Uh, I just hope he's healthy. I think he uh, was upgraded from questionable earlier in the week to be fully healthy at this point, but I think it's also a good matchup. My underrated tight end of the week, I have Dallas Goddard versus Dallas. Again, I think that the Dallas defense has gotten a little bit better, but realistically, I still think they're going to have problems. I expect that with uh, Zach Ertz still sitting and the fact that the Cowboys are going to roll coverage to both Jalen Rager uh, probably as a double, and uh, I think it's Trevon Diggs that has been playing one-on-one so far for them and has been a really good corner against Devontae Smith, I would expect that Dallas Goddard's going to be the third option in this backfield and get a lot of touches that way. 
I would expect that he probably at least has one touchdown in this game, which may be a little bit higher scoring than we may have anticipated, but uh, may produce some points. Who is your underrated tight end of the week? Robert Bobby Tanyan. If you saw that laser shot that uh, A-Rod threw, hitting him in stride into the end zone with absolutely no space, I think that uh, A-Rod is going to be looking for Tanyan repeatedly uh, down the seam against the 49ers. And I would not be surprised if Tanyan doesn't match last year's three touchdowns uh, in a single game that he had. Wow, that's a bold call. Your defensive stream of the week. Uh, I have Arizona versus Jacksonville. Simply put, Jacksonville has had a hard time so far with the amount of throws they're relying on Trevor Lawrence to throw. And I think that just gives into what Arizona is looking to do. Basically get Chandler Jones in uh, single coverage or on pass rushing downs, light his hair on fire, stand, or run and uh, sack quarterbacks. And if they can stop the run early against Jacksonville, which is likely they can do, they're going to put Jacksonville in a lot of uh, long passing downs. I think it's going to be a long day for Trevor Lawrence again in this week. Who is your defensive stream of the week? I'm actually going with the Seattle Seahawks against the Vikings. The Vikings have had a very strong pass offense so far. I think Kirk Cameron has played beyond himself. I think with... uh, Kirk Cameron uh, was left behind. Excuse me. (laughs) Kirk... Kirk Cousins has played out of his uh, out of his mind. Uh, I just have a feeling that the uh, Seahawks are going to set the agenda early and are with a, without a healthy Delvin Cook and are going to try to just absolutely shut down the Vikings. Interesting pick. Long shots of the week. Uh, my first one up. I have Miles Gaskin against the Raiders. Again, I think that the Dolphins are going to have to give him the ball early and often against a team that has not yet proven themselves to be one of the uh, elite run defenses in the way that they've actually been holding teams down in the passing game. They've gone against two teams where it was predictable that Baltimore was going to have to run the football. They weren't going to be able to beat the Raiders passing defense and uh, the Raiders, or excuse me, the Steelers still can't run the football behind that offensive line. Even with Najee Harris, I still see that with a better uh, opportunity, Miles Gaskin's going to have to both catch the ball and run the ball effectively to basically give them a chance in this game. I'm going to go with him. Who is your first long shot of the week? Michael Pittman. I th- as I indicated, I think that uh, early on, you're not going to see high pointing out of Michael or high points out of Michael Pittman. But I have a feeling that once Jonathan Taylor establishes himself, you're going to see Pittman open for some big plays on play action. The second one I have is Javante Williams because I think uh, once uh, Teddy Bridgewater starts hitting some passes, uh, Williams is going to be breaking some big runs. I, I, I'm figuring 10, 15-yard bursts. He's not going to get a lot of them, but what touches he has are going to be productive. Yeah, there were a lot of chunk plays, even with the uh, relatively poor outing by the Patriots last weekend. If you saw Damian Harris basically steamroll through a bunch of guys for, I want to say it was like a 37-yard touchdown, that could definitely happen again this weekend for Denver. My second one, I have Mike Williams against the Kansas City Chiefs. Again, you've already seen two weeks where other teams that are run-heavy could actually go for uh, decent yardage through the air. I would guess that 
Javante, or excuse me, Mike Williams has another big game. They have started actually looking for him outside of just throwing the deep ball in this offense, kind of in the way they've used Keenan Allen for years. And now that he has a productive quarterback with Justin Herbert, who can find him the ball in that medium to intermediate passing game, his targets have gone up and his productivity has gone up as well. He is my second long shot of the week. All right, over-unders for the week. Last week, and we're keeping this for the entire season, but so far, I was 3-2 and two last weekend. Ethan was 4-1. and one. The only one he missed was the one that he guaranteed, basically, the Christian McCaffrey over 150 scrimmage yards. That being said, Dad, are you ready to... That being said, Dad, are you ready to compete at least for this week in our over-unders game? Uh, sure. Over under three and a half combined interceptions for Mac Jones and Jameis Winston this weekend. Uh, under. I'll take the over on that one. I'm I'm curious. I think there are going to be actually a lot of interceptions in this game. 54 and a half combined points for the Chargers Chiefs game. That is the official Vegas line, I will add. I'll go over. I think I'm going to go over too. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. The Chiefs have a little bit more explosive offense, but the Chiefs' defense allows for a lot of points. I know that the Chargers have only put up 17 and 20 points so far in their games, but I expect this one to go back and forth, and I was very tempted to put this as my game of the week had it not been the Tampa and uh, the Rams are playing. 600 combined passing yards for Tom Brady and Matt Stafford, over or under? Over. I think that uh, we'll have 600 combined yards for the two of them by just, uh, just past the third quarter. Uh, it would not surprise me to see, and I'm picking in this game, I'm picking the Rams to win, even though the Buccaneers are favored. Uh, basically, with the Stafford special that he did with all the Lions uh, teams, where he drives with like a minute, 10 seconds left to get the score to win. So I think it's going to be way over. I think I would say under because the Rams defense is actually pretty good at covering people, particularly with Jalen Ramsey. But the simple point is Tom Brady looks like he's on a mission basically to prove last year wasn't a fluke and he's having a lot of fun. This is kind of a prove it type of thing for him lately. I would say uh, I'll take the over as well on this one. 150 rushing yards for San Francisco against Green Bay. Over or under? Under. I'm going to take the over on this one. I still think that it doesn't really matter who is. Honestly, mom could probably run for the San Francisco 49ers and probably get 150 yards against the Packers. That's the way it feels lately. 100 receiving yards for Tyler Lockett against Minnesota. Over or under? I'm going to go under simply by history because I have a feeling that his uh, companion will be getting a big game. So far, teams have really been picking on Brashad Breeland for the Vikings, and he's been occupying that number two spot. Even though Lockett plays a lot of the uh, receiving yards out of the slot, I would still guess that Patrick Peterson is going to be matched up on DK Metcalf. I actually like the matchup for Tyler Lockett to get a big game again this weekend, which is unusual for how much I predicted his downfall in the preseason. I'll take the over on this one. All right. Thank you to all the listeners and Dynasty players out there. We appreciate you. We will be back again next week to recap week three, hopefully with Ethan. But until then. Uh, thanks. It was been good to be here again. And everyone uh, enjoy the football this weekend. Just a selfless plug for us on the other show. 
I will say that uh, the greatest movie of all time, or just greatest movie of all time podcast, is available wherever you get podcasts. And uh, we just started, or I guess we're on our second week already, going to be on our third week coming up next week of James Bond, uh, previewing several of the old classics before the new movie, No Time to Die, releases in the second week of October. I think that would be October 9th. So if you want to catch or more of Dana, find us over on Gmote, G-M-O-A-T, podcast.captivate.fm if you want to sign up there or find where it is streaming for you. Also, that is the greatest movie of all time podcast by Ronnie Duncan Studios. Find that wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to contact our show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now find us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan. It is a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM.